you are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? This is Kevin Osher of Ravens Wire, bringing you another episode of Locked On Ravens. We took a break over the weekend, but we are back on this glorious Monday. One Monday closer to Ravens football. We are less than two weeks away now. It is an exciting time to be a Ravens fan and just a football fan in general. We have a really great episode for you today. What we're going to be getting into is the Andrew Luck retirement. This really shocked the NFL world. And what people forget is the Ravens had a situation that was similar to this. Obviously not as groundbreaking and shocking, but the Ravens had a player retire on them early. So we'll get into that and kind of what this means for the NFL and kind of look back at that situation the Ravens had a few years ago. We're also going to be looking into Lamar Jackson and what we can expect from his first year to his second year, kind of look back at his college career, look at some quarterbacks in the same mold as Lamar, and look how they improved from year one to year two. And then the Lockdown Ravens Fantasy League actually happened. The draft happened on the draft happened yesterday, last night, so that was really exciting and so I wanna go over my team with you, my strategy, go over some fantasy stuff and kinda of get into that whole fantasy world. So I am Kevin Ostriker and this is your Locked On Ravens lead story. Andrew Luck of the Indianapolis Colts shocked the NFL world by retiring at the age of 29. This was a really big decision for him and it's going to send shockwaves to the NFL because really the first big retirement that shocked the NFL was Barry Sanders because he was such a talent that nobody expected a talent like that to retire. Most people who retire early kind of aren't in the league for a while or aren't big name guys. You don't see players like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, even guys like Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, Richard Sherman retire because they're these star players and they are in it to make money, they are in it to play at a high level, and they're just in it to play the game that they love. For Andrew Luck, it was really a decision of he didn't love the game anymore. He was injured for quite a good amount of his career. He's had a ton of injuries. He had a bad kidney injury that really left him with a lot of bad side effects. He was dealing with a calf injury that was pretty bad and he was actually questionable for week one, almost doubtful. He's had a lot of injuries and while he's been able to come back from them and perform at a high level, it's hard for a player to be injured all the time and not be out there with his teammates, not be out there with his brothers. And So Luck just really had that love of the game taken away from him, and he made a big decision, and a decision that I respect. A lot of Colts fans are calling him soft. It was honestly a very strong thing for him to do because he knew that he was going to get backlash for it. He knew that it was going to be a decision that a lot of people would disagree with, but he stayed true to himself, and he did the right thing in my opinion. Now, what this is going to do to the league is maybe a lot of high-profile players will now look at this and say, I've made a lot of money. I want to stay fresh for the rest of my life. Is it worth it for me to stay in this league for three or four more years and take more hits? Or should I just retire and spend time with my family and get healthy again? The Ravens had a situation like this a few years ago in 2017 with with guard John Urschel. I don't know if everybody remembers John Urschel, so let's go through a little bit of a history lesson. John Urschel was picked by the Baltimore Ravens in the 2014 NFL Draft in round five, and he really developed into a solid backup and quality starting option. I think that I think that Urschel showed a lot of improvement during his time with the Ravens, so much so that he actually started the 2015 playoff game against the New England Patriots. And 
he was a player who was like James Hurst, could play a lot of positions. He was able to play tackle, he was able to play guard, and the Ravens valued him as a depth piece on their roster. What happened with Urschel is he retired in 2017. There were some reports that said the JAMA study on the prevalence of CTE in deceased players was a factor in Urschel's decision, but Urschel said that it really wasn't about concussions for him, it was about his body. In an article by the Boston Globe, he was quoted saying, quote, everyone has some stiffness here, an injury there, but by and large, compared to a lot of my friends who are retired, I am extremely healthy. Obviously, you think about your head, but honestly, I was thinking a lot about my body. When I found out I was going to be a dad, it changed a lot of things for me. I want to be able to walk my daughter down the aisle. I want to have a high-quality life. I had a fun time in the NFL, and I wouldn't change it even if I could. I'm also extremely happy with when I retired. A lot of these guys who retire early go out on their own terms. For some of these guys, you see a player who was dominant for many, many years, but as his career winds down, he's not really wanted by a lot of teams, although he still wants to play. So he's kind of forced into retirement. For players like Calvin Johnson, Andrew Luck, John Urschel, Barry Sanders, Chris Borland, Patrick Willis, these guys went out on their own terms. They said that the game did enough for them and they just wanted to move on with their lives. And that's something that some players value, going out on your own terms. So with Urschel, he was deemed the smartest player in the NFL by a lot of people. He's actually at MIT now, finishing up his PhD program. He's in Boston. He has a family. Life is going great for John Urschel. If I was him and I had that brain, maybe I was making the same decision as him. You know, he walked away from a lot of money, was a serviceable backup, and had starting potential in the NFL. So maybe he would have gotten a big contract here. He made some money. He was able to transfer that into a PhD at MIT, and he's doing well now. So it's just a matter of these players wanting to go out on their own terms, save their health, it's not a matter of they don't love the game. For Andrew Luck, that love was taken away from him. But for some of these guys, they love the game, but they love their health more. And so it's going to be interesting to see how in the future these players really play this tug of war with, do I want to stay in the NFL, play a game I love, but risk health and injury? Or do I want to get out early, not play the game I love, but ensure that my health wouldn't be as bad as it would be if I stayed? So... This is a situation that has sparked a lot of debate, and it's intriguing to see the responses and what people are going to say about this as time goes on. We're going to go to break, but before we do that, let's talk about the bedroom. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. They're prescribed online, and it ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so there's no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. This isn't just for guys who can't perform, it's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay the $5 in shipping. Again, that's BlueChew, B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it for free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Welcome back, everybody. We just talked about the Andrew Luck situation and going into this next segment about Lamar Jackson, who is a quarterback who takes a lot of hits and 
people are worried he might get injured, we're going to take a look at how Lamar really progressed from year one to year two in college, and then going into how quarterbacks of his mold progressed from year one to year two in the NFL. So let's get into Lamar and his college stats. As a freshman quarterback in 2015, playing in the ACC, he ended up completing 135 out of 247 attempts. That's a 54.7% completion percentage. He ended up throwing for 1,840 yards and 12 touchdowns compared to eight interceptions. Looking at his sophomore year, Jackson threw the ball a lot more, completing 230 out of 409 passes. That's 56.2% completion percentage. He ended up throwing 30 touchdowns compared to 9 interceptions. So looking at his throwing numbers, he completed 135 passes his freshman year. That went up to 230 his sophomore year. He had a 54.7 completion percentage his freshman year. It went up to 56.2 in his sophomore year. He had 1,840 yards his freshman year, 3,543 his sophomore year. 12 touchdowns his freshman year, 30 in his sophomore year. 8 interceptions his freshman year, 9 in his sophomore year. Now, Jackson had a lot more opportunities in his sophomore year to throw the ball, but from his freshman year to his sophomore year, he showed a lot of improvement. And that's what we're really going to be looking for in his pro game. Because when Jackson came into college, he was this bright-eyed freshman really wanted to just play the game he loved just like talking about Andrew like he wanted to play the game he loved but he was a little raw not all freshmen are going to go in there and be absolute studs so what you're looking at is a player who his sophomore year came in improved on some things in the offseason and showed that in his stats looking at Jackson's rushing numbers Jackson had 163 attempts for 960 yards and 11 touchdowns in his freshman year his sophomore year, he had 260 attempts for 1,571 yards and 21 touchdowns. So that uptick in touchdowns, that's 10 touchdowns more his sophomore year than his freshman year. But you have to look and say that's 100 more attempts than he had in his freshman year. You also have to look at it this way. Bobby Petrino built the offense around Jackson in his sophomore year. He did it with him in his freshman year, but... With a year under his belt and a year under his belt with Lamar Jackson, they really were able to take the offseason and revamp their offense. Does that sound familiar? Because that's what the Ravens have done this offseason with Greg Roman. Now, Roman hasn't coached Lamar Jackson directly. It was Marty Morningweg's job last year. But I think that with this revamped offense, with an improved Lamar Jackson, I think that this team could be really, really special. And I think that Lamar Jackson in himself can be really, really special. I'm a Lamar Jackson fan. I'm somebody who wanted him in the draft. And for this reason, because some teams were asking him to play wide receiver, but I saw the value in his throwing ability, his arm strength, and his ability to really be a dual threat quarterback. Looking at players who kind of fit his mold, I kind of want to take a look at Michael Vick and Cam Newton. Looking at Michael Vick, his first year in the NFL, he only started in two games for the Falcons, played in eight games, but he ended up completing 50 of 113 passes for 785 yards and two touchdowns. Compared to his sophomore year when he started in 15 games, he had 231 completions out of 421 passes, 16 touchdowns, eight interceptions. That's quite an uptick, obviously just because Vic didn't start his first year in the NFL. With the ability to start 15 games his second year, he was able to improve, learn on the fly, but he also had NFL experience where he started those two games, and so he wasn't just thrown into the fire in his first year. He was really able to develop, start a few games towards the end of the year, get a feel for it, come back a sophomore year strong. Lamar Jackson, I wouldn't say necessarily was thrown into the fire. He was kind of gently nudged into the fire because Joe Flacco started up until the bye week, 
and then Jackson was a needed player at that point because Flacco needed to rehab. Was Lamar Jackson expected to start in his first year? If you asked me last year, I would have said no. But I think this was perfect for Lamar because it's kind of like Michael Vick, just with a little more experience under his belt. Lamar ended up starting seven games last year compared to Vick's two games that he started his freshman year. So Jackson has a little more NFL experience going into his second year. Jackson also has that playoff game under his belt. But looking at Vick's rushing stats in his first and second year, you see a player who started those two games, had 31 rushes for 289 yards and a touchdown. His sophomore year, he got 113 rushes, 777 yards, and 8 touchdowns. Again, just the discrepancy between starting and not starting, having a little bit of experience, and then going into his sophomore year and capitalizing on that. With Cam Newton, it was a little bit of a different situation. He was the number one pick in his draft class, so he was kind of thrown into the fire. He started all 16 games. His rookie year went 6-10, and 10, had 310 completions out of 517 attempts, 4,051 yards, 21 touchdowns, and 17 interceptions. You don't like to see that many interceptions out of a quarterback. Newton is a dual-threat quarterback, so he was a threat in other aspects of the game, but Newton was drafted to be a quarterback. There were really no concerns with him and his ability to throw the ball. He has such a powerful arm. He can really provide touch on the balls he throws. Newton was drafted to be a quarterback, so you don't like to see that many interceptions. Being a rookie, you can kind of excuse it. His sophomore year, he went 7-9, and started all 16 games once again, completed 280 passes out of his 485 that he attempted through for 3,869 yards, 19 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. I actually think that's a little bit of an improvement. Although he threw for two less touchdowns and about 200 less yards, I believe that the downtick in interceptions is what you'd like to see because... It shows that he developed as a passer and didn't make as many dumb decisions. Now, everybody here makes dumb decisions, whether it be in the football world, in the real world, whatever it may be. Football players in their rookie year are going to see schemes that they did not see in college. They're going to see more advanced things that they did not see in college. The sophomore year, Cam Newton took the knowledge that he got in his first year, applied that to defenses, only threw two less touchdowns, had five less interceptions. I would say that's an improvement. It's kind of not a day and night improvement, but I think Lamar can kind of have that, but maybe in a different way where he doesn't rush as much, but he improves as a passer. Jackson only threw three interceptions last year just because he wasn't asked to throw the ball a ton. But I think what we're going to see here is really a downtick in his rushing stats, but then his throwing stats go up. His completion percentage goes up. His touchdowns go up. His interceptions will probably go up as well because he's not going to have three interceptions and 16 games started if he goes through the season healthy, knock on wood. So I think that Jackson is going to have an improved year. Looking at Cam Newton's rushing stats from his first two years, he had 126 rushes in his first year, 706 yards, and 14 touchdowns. His second year, he had 127 rushes for 741 yards and 8 touchdowns. So the only category that went down for Newton was his touchdowns. He ended up rushing for more yards, had one more rush. But in his second year, he was really asked to do more throwing the football, and that's really what I expect from Lamar. So looking at Vic, looking at Newton, I think Lamar Jackson will also improve in his second year. He has a great offense. He has a great offensive coordinator. He has a lot of weapons around him. I think this is going to be a good year for Lamar, so watch out for that and look for his improvement. 
We're going to go to break, but before we do that, let's talk about Crossover Wednesdays. For those who don't know about Crossover Wednesdays, the NFL season is about to begin next week, so that means Crossover Wednesdays will be back. For the entire regular season, you will get a special episode every Wednesday as the hosts from Opposing Sides meet up to preview the excitement of the games happening that week. Find your favorite team wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure not to miss the NFL listeners' favorite segment. Welcome back, everybody. We're now going to get into our fantasy segment. I think these fantasy segments are good not only for the fantasy football fans I know are out there, but also for Ravens fans because it really gives Ravens fans the knowledge of who's hyped up in the NFL, who's not, who's to look out for, who's kind of on the decline. So looking at the Lockdown Ravens Fantasy League, we had our draft yesterday. It was great. We have a lot of good players in this league. Spencer Schultz is in it. Shout out to Spencer. We are going to do another episode tomorrow, but I'll get into that at the end of this show. Spencer had a good draft. A lot of these guys in this league had a good draft. I have a lot of respect for everybody in this league. A few people stole some players I wanted. I talked about some of them in the draft, so I was a little disappointed in that. But I think that the draft went really well for me. I'm going to kind of go over my team and just about how the draft went. Spencer had the first pick. He picked Saquon Barkley. I think that's a great pick. I prefer Kamara to Barkley but I think Barkley is going to be a dynamic player. Michael Thomas went number two. That was something I was not expecting, but Thomas has finished as a top three fantasy receiver the past three years. So I like that pick, but I picked Kamara at number three, and I think this was a steal for me because I thought Kamara was going number one. I hyped up Kamara on my fantasy episode last week's, so I'm really excited that he slipped to me at three. In the second round, I had the 10th pick in that round, so I had to wait a while, and Antonio Bryan actually fell to me. I kind of had a feeling he would slip a bit, but I didn't think he was going to be there with the third to last pick in the second round. Nick Chubb went in the second round, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, some players I'm not as high on, but still will be serviceable running backs. I liked the Leonard Fournette pick in the second round. I think that Travis Kelsey was a very good pick. I like the pick here that I made with Antonio Brown. I think to have a stud wide receiver in Brown, everybody knows what he can do on the field when he's healthy and hopefully not being the diva that some people think he is. I think that I got a steal here with Antonio Brown in the second round. In the third round, I took a bit of a risk and took Patrick Mahomes with a third pick in the third round. My thought process here is that I've had Aaron Rodgers. I've had Drew Brees. Tom Brady isn't really high on my list. Ben Roethlisberger isn't really high on my list. I think Patrick Mahomes is a game changer. He was picked late in a lot of fantasy drafts last year, and really, if you had Patrick Mahomes last year, you most likely won your league based off of the value you got. And while this was a bit of a reach for me, there were players like George Kittle, Zach Ertz, Amari Cooper, Devonta Freeman on the board, who I could have really shored up my running back position and wide receiver position with. To have a strong quarterback and a guy who can maybe put up 30 points a game, he's a dual threat quarterback. I think that the starting three of Kamara, Brown, and Mahomes is really pretty deadly. Mark Ingram was taken two picks after in the third round. I think that might be a bit of a reach, but the potential that Ingram has in a run-heavy offense, that risk is something I'm totally fine with and totally okay with. In the fourth round, I picked A.J. Green, one pick before Lamar Jackson went. Shout out to my guy who took Lamar Jackson in the fourth round. What a bold move. I respect it 100%. That could be the move that wins a fantasy league right there. Mark Andrews was taking two picks for A.J. Green in that fourth round. That is a big reach, but I also respect the heck out of it. Think about it. This is an all-Ravens fantasy league. We know what these players can do. Tight end is a position that if you get the right guy can win you a fantasy league, and I hyped up Mark Andrews on all my fantasy episodes, and he was a guy who I was looking to take a few rounds later, so 
this guy snagged him up so i'm excited to see if andrews can really win this fantasy league uh aj green for me was a risky pick because he's not going to be ready for week one but when he gets back he's going to be a solid wide receiver too i've loved aj green for many many years haven't had a chance to have him in most of my leagues with antonio brown and aj green as my top two receivers when healthy i'm really excited about that Alshon Jeffrey I was able to pick in round 5 with the third pick in the 5th round. T.Y. Hilton was taking a pick before me. Who I actually like a little bit better than Alshon Jeffrey, but I think Alshon Jeffrey, again, is a wide receiver too. I needed to pick a wide receiver because AJ Green is hurt and won't be available for probably the first few weeks of the season. My league is actually a 3 wide receiver league, so Alshon Jeffrey is going to be a guy who I think struggles with drops sometimes, but is finished really high over the past two years and Carson Wentz after Zach Ertz Alshon Jeffrey is his favorite target so to be the number two target on the Eagles offense which is very high powered very deadly I like that pick a lot for me in the sixth round Sonny Michelle was taken with a third pick in that round I really was hoping Michelle would fall to me with a 10th pick a guy scooped him up and I respect that I hyped him up on my show and gave away my secret that I loved him so maybe that was a decision in that but I love Sony Michelle. That's going to be a great pick. Jarvis Landry was taken one pick after. The surprise of this round was Miles Blinken was taken in the sixth round. And this is an all Ravens draft. Everybody here loves the Ravens. Don't get me wrong. This was a reach, obviously. But these sleeper picks are picks that are going to define fantasy leagues. People can afford to take these risks because we know what these players can do. And so that was really cool to see just the confidence that people have with players like Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson, and Miles Boykin. I picked Marlon Mack to shore up my running back two position. I think he's going to be a workhorse in Indianapolis. The Colts might run the ball a bit more with Jacoby Brissett now with the helm, so I think that's a good pick for me. I picked the Bears defense and special teams with a third pick in the seventh round. This is going to be the best defense in the league to me, and I think that you know with most of my positions already shored up, I was able to pick the best defense, and hopefully they'll win me some games. Eighth round, I picked Marvin Jones. I like Marvin Jones this year. He's the number one target on an offense that really isn't that great but with that you have a gunslinger in Matthew Stafford they're probably going to be down in games late so they're going to be slinging the ball all over the place the running game really only has carry on Johnson so I think Marvin Jones is going to have a big year in terms of volume and target share so I'm excited to see the production that he can put up in an offense where he's probably going to be getting the majority of the targets I ended up picking LaShawn McCoy in the ninth round I love LaShawn McCoy if you have a fantasy draft, do not sleep on LaShawn McCoy. He's had a rough few years, and he's in kind of a committee right now, but I think that he still has the skills and the ability to really pop through and be a good running back this year. I ended up taking Greg Zerline in the 10th round. Justin Tucker was snagged for me in the 9th round. Respect to the guy who picked Justin Tucker. Ravens defense was snagged one pick after that. So I picked Greg Zerline, who I think will be the second best kicker in the league behind Justin Tucker. 11th round, I picked Cam Newton as my backup. He's been hurt. Hopefully I would, won't need him except for the bye week with Patrick Mahomes. 12th round, I picked Greg Olson. My tight end position right now was not my strongest. I wanted Delaney Walker. He was taken. I wanted Jimmy Graham. He was taken about five picks before me. So I had to settle for Greg Olson, who I don't hate. If he's healthy and he's up and running, he is 34 years old, but he is one of Cam Newton's favorite targets. He's shown production when he's healthy. So I took a flyer on Greg Olson, and we're going to see what happens. My bench consists of Kiki Kuti out of Houston, Deshaun Hamilton out of Denver, Kareem Hunt I took a flyer on. Hopefully he'll be a baller when he's not suspended. Not for the Ravens games, of course. I took Giovanni Bernard, who Ravens fans know well. Then I took Chris Herndon. 
I think that he can be a stud after he gets off of his suspension with my tight end position not looking very strong. If Herndon can really come in, be a sleeper guy, I took a flyer, and I took Jacoby Myers with my last pick. Overall, this was a really fun draft. Everybody showed up. It was really fun to interact with everybody. I have enough people for the second fantasy league. We're going to get that started. I'm going to draft that next Sunday, and hopefully I can do another segment then. Hopefully you guys liked this. Tell me how you like my team. Tell me if I did a good job. Tell me where I need improvement, what I should do, who I should look at. But yeah, that's all I have today. This was really fun. Tomorrow we're going to get into an episode with Spencer. We have a lot planned, so that's it, and I will see you tomorrow.